morning and welcome to the Vine Community Church online service. Although churches are able to meet together in person during lockdown, the importance of worship being recognised by the government, we've decided, for the moment, the responsible thing to do for us is to meet virtually. But we are still meeting. Whatever the shape of our worship, whatever the form of our service, God is still God. And we will meet with God this morning and we'll hear amazing stories of God from Alice, who's back from the message in Manchester, and from our good friend Chris Fleetcroft. But before we do that, this is the first Sunday following Epiphany. Epiphany being when the Magi visited baby Jesus and recognised him as God incarnate. Today we're going to come together and we're going to worship. But before we do that, let's pray. Jesus, we recognise that you came to this earth as a human, but also fully God. And we want to thank you that you did that to restore a relationship between us and you. And we recognise how privileged we are to be able to come together and worship a God that is not distant, but is here. So this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us wherever we are, in our living rooms, our bedrooms, whether we're watching live or, or recorded later. We ask that you dwell with us and reveal yourself to us as we honour you and give you glory. Amen. Let's join together in worship. You're free to sing, something we can't do when we're together. So, please, I encourage you, take a position of worship and let's worship our living God. great to be able to worship together even though we can't worship together in person. You know, this new lockdown, uh, especially over Christmas, has meant there's been big disappointments in people's lives, not being able to be with their loved ones. But there has been some positives too. A positive for us is that we've got Alice back with us in the church and she's going to be spending some time with us during this lockdown. She's keen to get back to Manchester and she's going to tell us now about some of the things she's been doing this term with the message and how God's been moving. Alice. So while I've been in Manchester, I've had lots of different teaching on things to do with evangelism. So we've looked at kind of what is evangelism, what is mission, what is the gospel, and what do we actually want to communicate when we're talking to people? You know, we don't want to miss out things when we're sharing about Jesus, but we also don't want to tell them the wrong things as well. Um, and we've been looking at things like, when we're sharing with people and when we want to help people, do we first help with their practical needs or do we go and help them um, with telling them about Jesus straight away or is that sometimes not the best approach and thinking about that? Or thinking about in this digital age, how can we share the gospel? How can we share Jesus with people in the best way? How can we reach people in lockdown where you can't go out and see them? You can't have these big concerts that the message is maybe more famous for, but actually there are other ways that you can still reach people with Jesus. 
And then as well as this, we've also been doing placements. So um, I had a few different placements with lockdown and tier three and all of these things that got changed quite a lot of times. But in the end, I ended up doing a placement with a homeless charity um, where we were serving them breakfast, which was really good. And it was right in the middle of lockdown and it was freezing cold, but it was so good to help them um, in that way and also share why we were doing it. And actually, actually, there is more of a hope behind that. There's hope in God that even in this awful situation that they're in, actually God can help them. We had opportunities to pray with them, which was really, really good. Um, although, I'll be honest, it didn't start off well, this placement, because I got there on my very first day, very excited. It was very early in the morning. It was quarter to seven. And I was like, right, I'm not even sure if I'm quite awake at this moment. And we walked in, did a few jobs. There weren't many people there, so we were just kind of upstairs in our room while the rest of the volunteers were downstairs. And suddenly, the fire alarm went off. And I was like, what is happening? It is not even 7 a.m. Like, I've been here 10 minutes. What is happening? And the fire alarm went off. <laughs> Fortunately, there wasn't actually a fire, but there was a lot of smoke from some bacon that had been burnt. Um, and unfortunately, what we didn't realize is the fire brigade then automatically got called. So I was there, like, hi, as the fire brigade were running in, fully in like masks and stuff. And like, it was super intense, but um, <laughs> it was definitely something to remember my first day at placement by. And then after that, we had a fire alarm that wouldn't turn off, which was a bit crazy. But actually, even in all these situations, the craziness of this fire alarm and the fire brigade coming and we didn't even know what's happening and it was really early in the morning actually we could still serve that food we could still give hope and we could still bring the message of jesus to those people even when everything seemed to go wrong for us now as i've been talking i've talked a bit about how covid has affected us i said like my placement was a bit messed up i was going to do a placement in one place and then it couldn't happen because of the new restrictions and it kind of changed about a bit and you might be wondering how did it happen how did it work for me doing a year out in the middle of a global pandemic now it wasn't easy and at times things changed like overnight you'd think you were going to get to do something and then it would change all of a sudden or you'd have to do it in a slightly different way but actually god's been there all the way through this and what we've really learned as a team, as an academy together, is that it's not all about the hype. It's not in other years where they maybe get to go to a massive concert and they see 100 young people saved and it's really exciting. There's massive music and there's crowds and all of this stuff. But actually with us, we can't do any of that stuff. In fact, we couldn't even go to a youth group. We couldn't even do mission in the same way on the streets because of the restrictions. But actually, we still got to see God move because... You know what? God wants to move in the ordinary situations. He wants to do extraordinary things with ordinary people in ordinary moments. I've seen that so much this term. I remember there was a time, me and a friend, we were just going for a little walk around where we lived for a park and stuff. And we were praying. We wanted to have somebody that we could talk to, that we could share Jesus with. And as we were walking, we saw this lady and she had a dog that was barking outside of our house. Now, dogs... I love dogs, not just because I love dogs, but also they are the best tools for evangelism because everyone wants to talk about their dog. You're like, oh, your dog's so cute. Can I straight your dog? Oh, I love your dog. Tell me about your dog. Everybody wants to talk about their dog. And so it's such a good tool for the gospel. Um, and so we were talking to this lady about her dog and we got talking about her life and she started to tell us some of the trouble she had um, and awful situation that she was going through in her life. And actually we got to pray with her and tell her, actually, we have a hope in Jesus and you know, there's more than this, and maybe there's, that's an awful situation, but actually, we can pray with you, and we believe that God can do things when we pray. 
which was just amazing. And I think it's all about what I've learned this term of seeking God, saying, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Not just a big, great calling of my life, but in every little moment, what do you want me to do? And then being obedient to what he says. Because, you know, stuff like that happened again and again and again. We were in the town centre and God was like, go give hot chocolates to these people. And we, we did that and we got to pray with them and that was really good. And these were just random people on the street that we'd never met before. Or other times with our neighbours, we got to take them things for Christmas. And we had such great conversations and hear about their struggles, but actually be there for them and bless them in new ways that they'd not seen before um, while they'd lived there. Um, I had a friend, um, she was in the exact same way, just going about her ordinary business. She went to Aldi, of all places. She just went to the supermarket, something we all do. Even in lockdown, we have to go to the supermarket. And she'd gone to Aldi, and she was just walking around, and God, God showed her this man that was on crutches, and he was like, go, go pray for him. And she'd been walking around Aldi a little bit more. She kept passing him, and she was like, right, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to be obedient to what God said even in this ordinary situation, I'm going to be obedient. And so she went up to this guy and she said, hey, I'm a Christian. Um, I believe that God can heal and I see you're on crutches. Can I pray for you? And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. I've, I've been on crutches for a year and a half and um, the doctors say they can't really do anything. It's not getting better. I don't really know what to do. And she, so she prayed for this guy. And because of the miraculous healing of God, not because of anything else. This guy, he threw his crutches away. He was completely healed, and he started running up and down the aisles of Aldi. Just imagine that, a guy who came in on crutches, came in in this way, and then he was prayed for, and God did something miraculous. God did something extraordinary in a completely ordinary situation, and he was healed. And we just keep seeing that over and over again. And actually, I believe that even now I'm back here and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I wish I was in Manchester right now. But actually, God doesn't need you to be in a certain place or a certain extraordinary place. No, he just wants you to be in the ordinary situation that you're in, in those moments, whatever they are. Because in those ordinary moments, God wants to do something extraordinary. And I believe that for you too. And so I really want to just say thank you so much for all your prayers and your support. Um, and when you guys have been messaging me or emailing me, emailing me I've been so grateful for that and like when I've asked you to pray for things I've really seen it start to happen more and more so I just want to say thank you for that and hopefully at some point I'll be able to see you in person chat more about what I'm doing with Academy bye that's great Alice it's fantastic to hear some of the things that are going off uh, while you're in Manchester and it'd be great to see more stories of God moving there but also here while you're with us I know one of the things you've done while you've been with the message is create some spoken word content that's been really encouraging for people. Shall we watch one of them? Yes, let's do it. Where lies your eternal destiny? How do we distinguish you from others? How do you differ from your brothers, mothers, lovers? Why do you be so blind and let yourself be defined? So many labels they put on you. Those words hurt you more than you ever knew. That you're not enough, that you're not really that tough. That you're too quiet, too loud, too timid, too proud. So, who do you say that you are? 
when there are so many stories even from a simple scar a bruise that hides a million tears covered up with too many fears lost abused and confused life spoken over you seem to be proved and yet God says that we are so much more. Jesus takes the sin we previously bore. But in shame, we don't need him. Because in Jesus' name, we have freedom. We don't need to go out on no whim because our identity is in him. Because even when we're so anxious that we're frozen, God still says that we're loved and chosen. We've now got the privilege of hearing our good friend Chris Fleetcroft from Revive Church in Hull and part of the uh, Revive Collective. Um, he's got a brilliant message for us today on this first Sunday after Epiphany based around the Magi's visit to Jesus. His message is entitled Who, Not How. And it's a message that is really focused on this moment in time. Let's listen to Chris. In Matthew 2, we read about the visitation of the wise men to see Jesus. Now, we don't know much about these wise men. We don't know if there was three of them. We don't know if they had camels. We think they were probably rich. We don't really know their names. What we do know is that they came from the east. They were strangers to the land of Israel, foreigners of a different culture, not quite knowing where they were going and, and, and what to do. We also know that the Bible calls them magi which means magician or sorcerer. The Passion Translation calls them spiritual priests. So put yourselves in the shoes of Mary and Joseph. There's a knock on your door. And as you open it, you see some strange looking people from a different culture, a different way of life, religious people from a different religion. We don't know even if they follow Yahweh or not. They, they, they studied stars as part of what their, their religious practices. And in they come and upon seeing the baby Jesus, they fall on their faces and worship. The question that comes to my mind is this, what were they doing? I mean, were they chanting? Were they using candles or bells or did they have some kind of garb or dance? Did they, did they use prayer mats? Now we could theorise about this all day. But the honest truth is we don't know how they worshipped because the Bible didn't think it important enough to include it in the text. You see, how they worshipped wasn't really that important. The importance was this, who they worshipped. It's not about the how, it's about the who. Now we read, go back a few verses, that these magi had been to Jerusalem before Bethlehem because they didn't know how to get to, to find the king of the Jews, so they went to Jerusalem. And on talking to the high priests and, and scribes, they said, we know how to find the king of the Jews. The Christ will be born in Bethlehem. And I find it odd that off the Magi go, having told the high priests that, they, that the, the king of the Jews has been born, the, king, the, the priests send them on their way and remain in Jerusalem, probably still discussing and arguing amongst themselves about how the Messiah will come. Now these 
religious priests, these high priests, Jewish priests, were devoted to serving Yahweh. They prayed a lot more than you do probably, definitely a lot more than I do. They devoted themselves to learning huge chunks of scripture. They knew that you had to obey the Sabbath and they knew how to. They wrote line upon line upon line about how to obey the Sabbath, including how far you can walk and the, the fact you couldn't pull out grey hairs on the Sabbath. They knew that in order to, to worship God, you would tithe 10% of your income. And they'd worked that out so well that they even knew how to tithe their herb gardens to give it all to the service of God. And yet when Jesus, who is the word of God, comes in the flesh, these people who devoted themselves to the word of God reject him. And when Jesus starts questioning how they obey the Sabbath and questioning their motives about how they tithe their herb gardens, rather than listening to him, the religious priests decide to plot to put him to death. You see, in order to preserve how they worshipped, they put to death who they worshipped. Now I've been in church most of my life. Different sized churches, different places, different denominations. And I'd love to tell you that the church is a place full of love, joy, peace and harmony. But the reality is, but us saints, us Christians, often love to argue and fight. And nothing gets the saints more riled up is the subject of how to worship. Do we have hymns? Do we have choruses? Oh, I remember that fight. Do we have these modern tracks and, 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 uh, and verses that, that are coming out now? Oh, do we use an organ? Do we use a drum kit? Oh, I remember that battle. Do we use backing tracks and decks and, and other tracks that are coming in? Is it too loud? Is it too quiet? Is the preach too long? Is it too irrelevant? I've even re uh, witnessed recently fights about the colour of the back wall. It should be black. No, it should be pink. No, it should be white. And arguments all about how that affects the worship. And unfortunately, I've witnessed many dear fellow brothers wounded on the battleground of these altercations. Yet Jesus says this in Matthew 5, If you have a quarrel with another believer, leave your act of worship at the altar and make amends with your brother. It seems like Jesus is more concerned about the who's in your life and the how's. Jesus also said this, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Sometimes our obsession of how to worship hurts the very one who we worship. <clears throat> now in this country, we have a rich heritage of outpourings and revival. You can go to some of these places and you walk in and you can still feel the presence, it's electric. And these places are still 
doing amazing things with God. It might not be like it was, but you can. they're still mooring on with God. And then you can go to other places. And they're stuck in the revival that was 70 years ago, 60 years ago, or even five years ago. They still sing the same songs. Why? Because when they sang that song, God turned up. They stand in the same places, doing things exactly the same way they did before, hoping that by doing the things how they did them, God will turn up in the way that he did before. Trapped in the cycle of worshipping God who was rather than God who is. It was never in the how, it was always in the who. I bet you, if you've been a Christian as long as me, will have been in prayer meetings where we all get up and start walking round the room because Joshua walked round the walls of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. And it's often a really useful and brilliant prayer meeting, but we don't seem to see the breakthrough that Joshua saw. Or we look at the, the army of Jehoshaphat and the fact that by having the worship team at the front of the army, the enemy scattered. And so they never even had to have a fight. And so we organise a worship time, an immense worship time, and then are disappointed at the end. But although we see some breakthrough, we don't see the breakthrough that Jehoshaphat saw. Although, you see, Jehoshaphat's army didn't win because they put the worship team in front. Although we can learn so much through the power of praise and worship in that story. Jehoshaphat's army won because they heard the voice of God. They inquired of him and they obeyed what he said. Joshua did not win with the battle of Jericho because they walked round the wall seven times. They won the battle of Jericho because they inquired of God and God told them what to do and they followed it. The next battle that that Joshua has, God says, I'm going to do it in the same way. First time, it's a bit of a problem because of sin and count. Second time, they go and do it. And God says, I'm going to do it, say, the same way. And yet it's not the same. They, they go back and, and they wait in ambush. And Joshua, in the middle of battle, hears God say, now, raise up your javelin. And because Joshua raised a javelin towards the city, not because they walked round seven times, the city fell. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Or in other ways, in, in, in more literal ways, in all of your ways, know him. Know him intimately. You see, we can put so much trust in our own understanding. In what we've seen before. In, in revivals that we've seen before. In moves of God that we've seen before. And we put our trust in what is tangible, what we understand, rather than we put our trust in the one who is the answer. But to hear the voice of God, you need to know the voice of God. How many times do we swap the who for the how? Because it's easier. Because it's less scary. Now we are living in a time where lots of things have changed. And I'm hearing this new term in the media and it's called the new normal. Now, 
lots of things I, I'm hearing other, I'm also hearing people saying I can't wait to, for it to get back how it used to be unfortunately the reality I hate to break it to you is a lot of things that have happened during this pandemic have changed and are not going back some things will go back some things won't the way you access your GP surgery and for most surgeries has changed and won't go back Businesses are looking about how they use resources and they are not going back. They have learnt that they can work from home and they can be more profitable working through online medium, media and, and other things. And so they have irrevocably changed. Education has changed. The way universities, even schools, my daughter was at a, uh, went to her school uh, earlier this week and had an interview with, with a head of year who, who told her that a lot of her lessons will now be online. Education has changed. Not everything will go back. The church, we have been majorly disrupted to say, to say the least over this time. And now some of us are able to start going back if we took, put in social distancing measures and we agree that the congregation won't sing and won't be hugging each other and all these other measures. It's not the same as it was before. Our church, some, some of us have decided to do what we've done in Revive and we're going to just stick with online at the moment. Um, because of, of, of different issues that we face to, to actually meeting in a building. But I want to encourage you today, however we are worshipping, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. The how we worship has never been that important. It's always been about the one who we worship if we go to a different time if we go to a different culture you will find that the way the church interacts and worships god is different that is not the issue the issue is are they worshiping jesus let me give you a little tool which i see a little how to get to the who in matthew 6 Jesus talks about prayer and he talks about going in prayer in private. So he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, solitary room, close the door, and God will meet you there and reward you there. Jesus often went off into solitary places to pray. The model that Jesus taught us and practised was always to meet God in a socially distant way. Let me bring in, to encourage us, the prophet Daniel. Because I think it can share a light on what we're doing. The people of Israel have been put into captivity and have been shipped off to Babylon. The temple has been destroyed. The scriptures haven't travelled with them. The priesthood has been disbanded. And they are now in captivity. So here's David in Babylon. He's not able to go to his religious leaders for help. He's not able to read a Bible because they don't have them. He's not able to go to the temple 
to a public worship and, and worship God as he is instructed. All the hows to his worship have been taken away. What does he do? Like Jesus, he goes into a room three times a day and prays. This Daniel gets prophecies that make it into the scriptures. Transform is, is influential in the, nation, in, in the nation and brings a pagan king into the presence of God. And yet all he could do was go into a room and pray. Now, me and you are in a lot better situation than Daniel. One, we're not in, in threat of being thrown into the lion's den if we sing and pray in our rooms. Do you know what? The worst thing that can happen is that the neighbours just get a bit upset or our housemates get a bit upset. We have the ability to get the best worship teams in our bedroom, in our living rooms. We don't even have to fight with people about which worship team, which songs are good and bad. We can just decide for ourselves and just have them on play. And if we like live worship, we could just tune into the International House of Prayer and get live prayer and worship 24-7. There is podcast upon podcast online. And even if we don't have social media, we can still pick up a phone, pray with someone, talk to someone, even worship over a phone. There is just so many ways we can still meet together and still be meet with God. And as I was now as I was prepping this talk, I had a picture of these structures. It was it was like a wooden house, the frames of a wooden house, and it was just the wood, nothing else, no walls, no carpets, just the wood. And I saw it in two different ways. There was people desperately trying to put these these this wooden frame of a house together. And yet the house was now set in the desert. Right at the start of, of 2020, we had prophet after prophet talking about this being the, the decade of the voice, that this is a decade of a new wise skin, but this is a decade when the church moves out and recaptures ground and that the structures of church before will no longer fit the structures of church going into the next decade. Let's not worship the hows. And dedicate ourselves up into the structures of how we think worship should be. How we think church should be. I'm reminded that the people of Israel had to follow the cloud and the pillar of fire. God kept moving. God kept moving. Let's not build structures around what God has done. Let's build structures. or even Let's just keep up with where God is going now. It's not trusting on our understanding, it's trusting in what he is saying. But I saw, saw it also in a different way. That, there, that many of us, we have relied on going to church on a Sunday, going to a house group on a Wednesday, meeting up for this person here in this coffee and accessing so many different things to keep our fire burning bright. And now we've realised that with these structures taken away, 
Our fire is not burning bright. In fact, for many of us, those structures were keeping us pretending that it was when God left the building years ago. It's never been about the hows. It's always been about the who. As soon as we try to structure a life around how we think God does stuff, he does something different and moves on. He's always into the new wineskins. He's always into the new day. He's always into the new creation. One thing I seek, one thing I ask, to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The main thing has always been his presence. The main thing has always been knowing him. The main thing is always intimacy with God. Now your structures might have been taken away. But God is still the same. What, how you love to do church and how you feel is the best way to do church may no longer be possible, may no longer exist in the future. But when we make an idol out of how we worship, we risk losing the one who we worship. It's always been about intimacy with him. Matthew 6, 7 even. Matthew 7 says this. I'm just going to finish on this scripture. Not everyone, 721. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name before many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. When we get to heaven, it's not enough to know how to heal. How to get people saved. How to do stewarding. How to do the best children's work. How to do the best worship time. How to run the best service. How to have the best house group. None of that matters. What matters is this. Do you know him? See, it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's not how you do things. It's who you do them with. Let's pray. Father, we are sorry for every time that we have rejected you for a method. Lord, we are sorry for every time that we have put the way we do church, the way we worship above who you are. Lord, we are sorry for everyone we have hurt because we have gone on some holy fight, holy war about structures that never really mattered. And Father, we repent where we've relied on structures to keep our relationship with you and keep our holiness and our Christianity alive rather than relying on you ourselves. Father, we are sorry and, and Lord, we just ask you, Lord, right now, will you come and fill us afresh?
Will your presence fill us? We want to know you. We want to hear you. We want to be with you. Come and fill us now. We ask, sweet Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. Amen. What a fantastic message from Chris there. A real reminder that whatever the situation is that we find ourselves in, God is still God. And it's not about how we worship, the buildings we're in, the structures we take, but it is about worshipping the King. It's about the intimacy that we have with him. This last week, we've started our new midweek course, How to Pray, a simple guide to prayer. It's an amazing course with time for us to learn, to chat, and to pray together. If you want to come to that, if you're interested in prayer, if you're somebody that prays a lot, or somebody that just thinks that prayer's got something good about it, but you don't know where to start, why not join us? It's on a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on Zoom. Ask us for the details. And tonight, we've got prayer. Um, 7 o'clock, half an hour on Zoom. A time for us to come together and pray for the villagers, the nation, the coronavirus situation, but also to give thanks for the answered prayers we've seen. I do hope you can join us. Until then, I just pray that you'll know God intimately this week, that you'll have time to spend with him, and you'll have time to know that he is Lord and loves you.